Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today is Q&A Tuesday, so I've rounded up some questions, some good ones to talk through with you and give some advice on. Sometimes I do a theme to Q&A Tuesday. Sometimes there's been a particular week where I've just had a lot of questions about naps or a lot of questions about travel or a ton of questions about preschoolers. Not so much the case this week. I had a lot of questions, but they were all over the place. So we are going to cover the gamut of sleep questions on this Q&A Tuesday. And I, I don't mind that. I like that because inevitably there are those of you who are listening who have newborns and are going through those early months of sleep struggles. And then there are those of you who have eight-month-olds and are going through the eight-month sleep progression. And there are those of you who have toddlers getting out of their big kid beds. So I like once in a while where we can just mix it up on Q&A Tuesday and make sure we cover questions that are going to help a wide variety of parents. So let's start with a seven-month-old. This first question for today is... My baby is seven months old, and I'm really struggling to figure out when and how to switch from three naps to two. Do you have any advice? I have loads of advice for this. This can be a tricky transition. A lot of the transitions in naps that happen before seven months are a little easier because they're not such a big jump. You'll, or you have probably found that in the early months, you just sort of every couple of weeks, every few weeks, you increase your baby's wake window by 15 minutes or so because they don't look tired anymore. And then their last nap of the day sort of fades away. So your newborn probably went from having five naps a day to around four months having four naps a day. And then when you increase wake windows a bit around five months, maybe you saw that they were ready for a three nap schedule. It gets a little trickier when we're going from three naps to two, however, because We have to make a little bit of a bigger jump to get to a two-nap schedule from a three-nap schedule. So what we're going to do is first look for signs that your child is ready. So this mom said my baby's seven months and she's struggling to figure out when and how to switch from three naps to two. We need to try to figure out when your baby is ready. So signs that your baby is ready to go to a tune-up schedule. First of all, they are between about seven and eight months. It's pretty rare that I see children earlier than seven months do well with a tune-up schedule because they need way too much awake time to get on a tune-up schedule than most five, six-month-olds can handle. So normally we are still on three naps until at least seven months and most babies it's closer to eight. Some even do well with three naps until nine months. So first and easiest place to look is your baby's age. Are they at least over seven months? That's how we know it's a possibility that they're ready for a two-nap schedule. The next thing you're going to look at are are your baby's tired signs or their lack of tired signs. So if you have a baby who's almost eight months old and is doing about two hours of awake time before their first nap and two and a half hours of awake time throughout the rest of the day, which is what I would recommend for an almost eight-month-old, and they're doing great with that, then great. You don't just switch to a two-nap schedule because somebody told you that your eight-month-old should be on a two-nap schedule. If your almost eight-month-old is doing three naps with two to two and a half hours of awake time and doing fabulously, don't fix something that's not broken. However, at that age, what you might start to see is your baby doesn't look tired at the end of their wake window anymore. 
they don't look tired after two hours for their first nap. They don't look tired at the two and a half hour mark leading up to their other naps and bedtime. They're not showing any tired signs. Then when you put them down, they're babbling in their crib for a lot longer than they used to before they finally fall asleep. And maybe they're even having some shorter naps than they used to have. That probably means they're not having enough awake time. They could handle more awake time. They don't have enough sleep pressure on their nap to go to sleep fairly quickly and easily and have a good nap. So those are some signs to watch for. Also refusing naps, especially that third nap of the day. If your baby is around that age and having those wake windows we talked about, but you're getting to the third nap and your baby is just constantly refusing it or taking a really long time to fall asleep for it, and you're actually kind of running out of time for that nap, it's probably time to switch to a two-nap schedule. And then in terms of the how part of this question, how do I switch to two naps, you increase those wake windows. So you're now going to offer two and a half hours of awake time before the first nap instead of just two. And you're going to need to offer three full hours of awake time to the second nap and three hours to bedtime in order for your baby to get on that two nap schedule. Generally, I tell parents try not to flip flop between three naps and two once you've made the switch to two. If your baby has a shorter nap day, probably just push through to at least a six o'clock bedtime rather than trying to squeeze in that third nap that wasn't really working anymore anyway. So hopefully that helps out the mama who asked and helps you sort of determine, is your seven-month-old really ready? Are they showing those signs? When should you switch to those two naps instead of those three? The next question is about a baby who's not much older than the last one. It says, my eight-month-old hates when my husband helps him get to sleep. When he was born, we divided and conquered with our toddler. Now babe only wants me to put him to sleep. Do you have any tips? This is a really tough one. Parental preference can be a thing and your child will go through stages of it where they prefer one parent over the other and then vice versa. But it's tough. It's tough on the parents. It's hard on your heart a little bit as the parent who's not preferred at that time. But it's also hard just in general because you need a break. And if you are the preferred parent, then you don't necessarily get that break. So you want to be able to work on this and have both partners be equally involved. So my biggest tip is to keep trying. I know it's hard when your baby is upset and demanding the other parent, but you are both equal parents. You're both loving parents and loved by your baby and trusted by your baby. Your baby is likely protesting because they are used to one parent putting them down the majority of the time. And especially if you happen to be putting your baby down with feeding or rocking, and that's not something that your partner generally does, it can be harder for your baby to go down for your partner. So try to incorporate a routine where you're both doing similar things. If you are breastfeeding, for example, instead of breastfeeding your child to sleep or as the very last part of their bedtime routine, try moving that to the first part of the routine. Do the feed first and then do the bath, the pajamas, the sleep sack, a couple of books and into the crib. That way, if mom is doing it, the nursing happens at the beginning of the routine, but the rest of the routine looks really similar and is something that anyone in the family could do. But if the other parent is doing this routine, it also still looks really similar because mom can do the breastfeeding at the beginning of the routine, but then dad can take over or the other parent can take over and do the rest of the routine and the rest of the routine looks the exact same no matter which parent does that part of the routine. And then your baby starts to become more used to that. They're not getting so used to just one thing putting them to sleep or one way of going to sleep that only one parent can do 
they are getting much more used to the idea that either parent can put them to bed. Both parent does the exact same thing as part of their routine after the feed, of course, in this case. That way we can really ensure that baby feels comfortable with both parents doing it, but it's going to take time. You know, the way our society works, there is normally one parent who is a primary provider and the other parent isn't around as much. Very, very often that's the case. And so your baby is going to become used to one person putting them down the majority of the time. So it's really important that you keep trying so that other parent, whenever they are available to do so, can put your baby down and get your baby used to that. The next question said, hi, Erin, love your content and your podcast. It actually says that. I promise I didn't make that up, but I had to keep that in the question when I wrote it down for this week because it was lovely. Uh, I have a question for you though. My five-month-old who is normally an independent sleeper has been refusing his third nap of the day for the past three days. He's on a three-nap schedule with wake windows of two, two and a quarter, two and a quarter, two and a quarter. He sleeps well overnight and his nap lengths are normally two hours for the first nap, an hour and a half for the second nap, and 30 minutes for the third nap any suggestions to try to make that third nap a success? So there's a piece to this question that I want to reread and emphasize. He sleeps well overnight and his nap lengths are normally two hours for his first nap, an hour and a half for his second nap, and then he's refusing his third nap or it's only about 30 minutes long. That's the key that I see in this question to how we're going to make that third nap a success is looking at those first couple of naps because what's happening here most likely is that baby isn't tired enough for his third nap. When a child is around five, six, seven months old, they need enough sleep pressure in their day to have naps two and three. And if nap one is really long, then they may actually refuse their second and or their third nap especially the third nap of the day, because if nap one is really long, nap two is sort of medium, then by nap three, they've already met their daily sleep needs and they can't go down for that third nap. But the problem is they need that third nap because otherwise they're going to have too much awake time before bed and be overtired by bedtime. That often leads to bedtime protests, night wakes, all that yucky stuff. So here's the solution. At this age, we start to be a little more finicky with the nap schedule and we actually cap the first nap of the day a little shorter to ensure that your baby has enough sleep pressure for the other two naps. So in the case of a five-month-old, I wouldn't let him nap for two hours for nap one. I would only let him nap about an hour and a half and then I would wake him up. Then I would only let him nap a max of an hour and a half for the second nap too. And then by nap three, he still has enough sleep pressure to go down and not refuse it. So that's a little trick for this finicky age where it can be tough to fit in all three naps and it can be tough to make sure your baby is tired enough to take three naps. So capping those first couple of naps at an hour and a half leaves usually enough sleep pressure for the final nap. If you go to thehappysleepcompany.com, we do have a four to 10 month sleep guide that covers exactly this type of finicky, tricky stuff. These ages where you have to be a little more careful with your baby's schedule, maybe start capping some naps here and there to ensure enough time for the right schedule. So you can check that out on the website if that's something that you're going through right now. Next question is about an older child. My child is almost 28 months, just had gastro a week and a half ago, vomited during night sleep and naps, now seems almost scared to go to sleep for fear of being sick again, cries until reassured by mom and dad, and makes sure that we're there for her. Any suggestions on what to do? Well, first of all, 
you know, that's so tough. It's so tough when our little ones go through a big illness where they've got the flu and they're vomiting. And of course, we have to change up the way we normally manage sleep when our child is that sick. But then the tough thing is getting back on track when we get to the other side of it. And that's really what needs to happen here. So this child is now feeling better, but crying until mom or dad goes in and reassures her during the night. So reassurance key. Yes, for sure. We need to go in and reassure her. But this child is 28 months. She's a toddler. And so she is going to quickly realize, I yell loudly in the middle of the night. You get your butt in here very quickly. And we hang out for a little while. And it's fun now that this illness is over. So what I would say is, yes, we want to go in and reassure. But first of all, we want to give a little time. We know your child's feeling well. We know nothing's really wrong. We know this has just kind of become a habit at this point due to what happened during the illness. So I would give your child a little time, five, even 10 minutes if you're comfortable with that, before you go in to offer the reassurance. That way we're doing what I always call delayed gratification. So we are going in to reassure, but we're not popping right in the moment your child makes a single peep. So they start to understand, "Mm, this is kind of boring. This takes a while. I think I'm actually just going to go back to sleep instead. If your child is still upset after that time, though, you do go in, you reassure, but here's the second part. You're pretty boring about it. We're not going to linger around and read extra books in the middle of the night or sing extra songs in the middle of the night. We want to be there for your child and let her know that she's not alone and doesn't need to be scared, but we want to be pretty boring and businesslike about it when it's one o'clock in the morning because we don't want it to be something that entices our child to continue to do it over and over every night. Books and songs in the middle of the night and lengthy snuggles in the armchair are really enticing for a toddler to wake up for multiple times every night. But if we just go in, we make ourselves present, we make our child aware that we're there, but we're pretty boring, then that becomes less enticing and your child's less likely to keep waking up. So work on that. That's what I would suggest is just continuing with the reassurance and being there, but being really, really non-stimulating about it. And finally for today, much older child, Could you share your thoughts on melatonin for children? My soon-to-be four-year-old is having horrible nights and her behavior is out of control. It takes forever to fall asleep and she's up by 5 a.m. even with a wake-up clock. Tantrums start as early as 5 a.m. I'm exhausted mentally and emotionally and wondering if helping her to fall asleep with melatonin would be something that you'd recommend. First thing I'm going to say about melatonin is that this is something you need to chat with your healthcare provider about before you talk to anybody else or implement it at all. I highly recommend that families chat with their healthcare provider about what's going on with their child and any suggestions their healthcare provider might have and their thoughts on melatonin. From my perspective as a sleep consultant, I work with families who have three, four, five, six-year-olds all the time, and they've tossed around the idea of melatonin in their minds. But when we chat, we very often see that the root of what's going on is really normal, common childhood sleep challenges and really normal, common preschooler behavior challenges. And once we get to the root of that and we talk to the child about a strategy for managing this, what's going on at bedtime, what's causing the issues, if we talk to the child about age-appropriate rewards and consequences for staying in their bed all night or not staying in their bed all night. That's where something like the wake-up clock can be so helpful. This mom told me 
She's waking up at 5 a.m. even with the wake-up clock. Well, yes, a child will still often wake up at 5 a.m. even with a wake-up clock, like the grow clock or the hatch. But if they wake up at 5 a.m. and we have had a conversation with them to motivate them about the reasons why it's a great idea to stay in bed longer, say until 6 a.m. when that clock turns yellow, then we have a much better shot at our child putting themselves back to sleep at that time. So it really is about thinking about, are these behaviors something that seem totally out of the norm for my child and or for her age? Or is this something that maybe is really a normal sleep challenge or behavior challenge for this age and it's something that we can manage with some strategies in place. So have that chat with your healthcare provider because certainly some families do appropriately use melatonin and it's really well placed for some children but for others there are strategies we can look at that don't involve that that can really still help us see success with getting your child going to bed more easily and sleeping through the night. So those are the top five questions for the week covered seven-month-olds to four-year-olds, and I hope it was helpful. Lots of challenges, but lots of solutions, so don't feel lost. Try not to feel lost. I know, you know, my heart broke a little when I heard this mom say, I'm exhausted mentally and emotionally, and I have been there, and I know how that feels. I am a mom, but there are ways to the other side of this. There are solutions to those challenges, whether you have an infant or a toddler or a child who's about to start kindergarten. So know that there is support out there. Reach out to us if you need it. We do at the Happy Sleep Company offer free 20-minute phone consultations. So if you ever want to chat, just go on the website. It's in the show notes. Ask for a 20-minute phone consultation and we'll reach out and we can just talk through what an average day for your child looks like. When do they nap? When do they go to bed? Maybe it's something as simple as a bedtime needing to change a little bit or your child's schedule just being a little bit off. But there's certainly some advice we can provide and support that we can offer. So reach out. We are there for you and have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.